The more common scenario is someone maybe in their 20s who hasn't yet breastfed. And my discussion with them around that is, well, firstly, you don't know if you're going to have kids. Second, you don't know when you're going to have kids. Thirdly, it's not when you have your first kid, it's when you have your last kid. And then lastly, it's if you could breastfeed anyway. So you may not be giving anything up at all. Um, you may never been able to breastfeed, you may never have kids, but is it worth waiting 10, 15, 20 years with neck pain, back pain, not fitting into bras, not being able to do sport? Is it worth waiting on the off chance you might be able to breastfeed? Hey Refam, my name's Kate and welcome back to Keeping It Real, the podcast that answers all your FAQs while also teaching members of the Itty Bitty Titty Committee what having big boobs is actually like. I'm talking about me. Today, we're joined by Richard and Kim to chat about why nipple grafts shouldn't be feared, the age limit to a breast reduction, and the apparently very common question of when you can get a nipple piercing post-op. We've had actually quite a big influx of breast reduction questions this week. Um, So I'm just going to pretty much rapid fire. Just Whoa, what if we don't know the answer? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure the answer, but like, I'm just going to throw stuff out at you that uh, that I've been receiving even in the um, Instagram inbox and I hear constantly. Amazing, because we've done so much work on breast reduction. Mm. Yeah, anyway, I figured... Let's I figured it would be too much. Well, I know what something... This one is so interesting to me. Three times this week, somebody has asked either, are my breasts too big for a breast reduction? Because they're like a double mm. H. Or are they too small to get a reduction? Ooh. Both good questions. Yeah. Never never too big and never too small, I don't think. Yeah. No, I thought, I thought the answer. too big one is so interesting. I thought like too small. You would think the I reduction like, okay, part would give that away. <laughs> yeah. But when she was like, oh, is it too big? I was like, oh, I never th- thought. Yeah. But then I guess I've seen now so many breasts that I'm like, and, even and if you enormous. think you're yeah. immune to big Yeah. Yes. Like, even if you think you have the biggest breast, let me tell you. Yeah. There, there is always bigger. Yeah. And, and in terms of sorry, to, in yep. terms of the too small, I think if my approach is if you think your breasts are too big for you, then your breasts are too big for you. Yeah, and particularly in Australia, for the uh, like you can do a breast reduction, <laughs> we can do a breast reduction on anyone. Like mm. it's up to the patient and the doctor to decide. And in terms of the Medicare item number. Um, the qualifier isn't the amount of volume that's removed. Right. The qualifier is that you have uh, a reduction, so you have some breast tissue removed and that you've got symptoms um, yeah. that your breasts cause. So um, neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, mm. um, maybe rashes. Um, that, that's sort of the qualifier in terms of getting an item number. And there's, there's pretty much no patients that I've ever seen that need a breast reduction surgery that don't have a medical need for it because yeah. sometimes the people like you actually have to reassure them of that in the consult they're like oh but well you know will my insurance cover it? and i'm like yeah yeah it's like mm. it's is medically necessary yeah I, I think um for those who feel they may be too small i think that's more of a shape issue so yeah. so i think the thing uh where they maybe have small breasts it's more that they're still a bit saggy and they're sort of in that um uh, grey zone maybe between a lift and a reduction. Uh, and certainly for me, uh, you know, it's a continuum. 
um, between a reduction and a lift, there's sort of always a bit of a reduction with a lift and there's certainly always a lift with a reduction. So I think some of those ones are a bit smaller. Um, it's more that you know they've, they've just got a bit of saggy breast below their fold. Um, but for the bigger ones, yeah, they, they would always qualify. Um, we would both, and I think this is a bit different from other practices, just probably because we do so much of it, um, we would do a slightly different technique for someone who is really, really big just to make it a bit safer um, and and also um, based on what they're trying to achieve. So if someone's really big and they want to be really small, you do need to use a slightly different technique, um, which I'm not sure many other people do around. Neville Graft you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I, like I, there's a great reluctance and a sort of yeah. negative <coughs> and I think in our community, our plastic surgery community yeah. to be like, oh, doing a nipple graft is like the absolute worst thing you could possibly do to yeah. a patient. And But if you have the conversation with them yeah. and mm-hmm. a lot of our patients that are that double H and want to be mm. a C cut, for example, yeah. you're taking an enormous amount of tissue off. And mm. I think my job is not to say, oh, well, I can only get you from your double H to an F. Yeah. It's a, well, if you want to be pretty small, I can do that. Mm. This is the technique. And once you actually open that conversation with mm. them, say, we take your nipples off and we sew them on as part of the surgery, it's like a skin graft. Every plastic surgeon does a skin graft. And they're like, oh, I thought you did that anyway, a lot, is a yeah. lot of the response. And a lot of the other responses, I can't even see my nipples now. Yeah. I don't really care. if yeah. I, I don't even care if I have them or not Is sometimes. But the only, ac- the only 100% downside is you can't breastfeed. Yeah. So for, for maybe half the patients, that becomes irrelevant because they're, they're done with breastfeeding. Mm. And, and, um, for that, and for the a others, lot of that they, half, they, they wouldn't be able anyway. to. Yeah, exactly. Because their nipples so are so So sort of it, as a trade-off, it's not really mm. a trade-off. Um, it's actually a very old technique. Like it's not, We haven't in, invented something new. But Kim's right. There's, and, and there's a lot of um, indications for doing it other mm. than what we just talked about. Um, so sometimes people have had previous breast reductions and you don't know what the blood supply is and they've been to other surgeons and they've just oh no it's impossible you'll end up with a big hole and oh just to nipple graft okay wait just before (laughs) we've just knocked off about four of my questions so i'm just gonna reel you in (laughs) um okay see you above (laughs) i think this does segue because you know people do ask like do my nipples come off which you've obviously answered but can you kind of go into what a nipple graft actually entails if that's not sure. a sentence that people are very familiar with. Yeah. So the tr- let me backtrack because the mm-hmm. way we normally do it is on a pedicle. So um, check up here. Check up here mm-hmm. uh, for a link to uh, one of our other videos on, on the pedicles. But basically leave it, the nipple attached to its own blood supply uh, and you just move, twist it around so it comes out in the new position. So that that's the traditional way of doing a breast breast reduction. With a free nipple graft, you actually cut the whole nipple off, um, actually detached from the body, and we store it and we keep it right and left, so you mark it as right and left. And there's a few reasons that we do that. Kim might want to explain that. Um, and then... Uh, and you cut it out with kind of like a cookie cutter. Like uh, well, that's to, to mark the shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For but then a scalpel oh, yes, to scalpel. shave it off. Uh, and then, yeah, you basically then, where you want the nipple to go, you shave off the very, very superficial layer of skin there, um, which makes a really good bed. Because for a graft to survive, it needs a good blood supply to grow mm-hmm. into it. So by just shaving the very superficial layer off, it, it's a perfect bed. 
um, and then you just put it on and stitch it on basically how you would normally stitch on the, the nipple. Um, and the, the only downside is, is it does take a week or so. I can go through the stages of craft take, but that's probably beyond the scoop. <laughs> we'll see about next time. Um, but yeah, it takes about a week or so. So it is a bit slower uh, than a normal uh, breast reduction in terms of healing because the blood supply needs to grow into it rather than coming, coming with the nipple. Um, but yeah, then... Uh, I mean, I think they get a little bit of loss of nipple projection, probably or, or almost no sensation, although I have had some patients get nerve growth bath back and have sensation. Um, but, yeah, uh, breastfeeding, I think, would be impossible. And this is mainly for patients who either have, like, need smaller areolas in relation to their new breasts or ones that are, like, no, they all the way down here. always get a smaller areola oh, in yeah. terms of their new breasts. Yeah. Because... Um, that's what the cookie cutter does, so it makes right, it right. a bit smaller. But it's if the nipple's very low, and so that pedicle that Richard was talking about, because mm-hmm. um, it's long and skinny, oh, and the longer and skinny it is, the blood's not going to get to the end of it to yeah, keep yep. it alive. Um, and so, yeah, as, as you're saying, the, the, the downsides of it healing a little, little bit longer and having a little bit of loss of projection are far better than the downsides of it dead nipple or a patient that's dissatisfied because they've paid for a breast reduction and they're a tiny bit smaller but they're still um enormous and how what do you do with it when it's off the body is it on ice oh it's no just in a moist um gauze on the nurse's nurse's trolley and i always hand it off and say this is the right side guard it with your life because if this one falls on the floor if you lose it then we need to get one from somewhere else. <laughs> oh my god, that is very stressful. <laughs> no, but not that I think the nurses are throwing things exactly, on the floor. But exactly. as soon as you said that to me, I'd be like, <laughs> "Yeah, don't put it in with the rest of the specimen that mm. goes to the pathology." Yeah, so, right, right. Um, yeah, no, I've uh, we've I've never dropped one on the floor. I no. had one go missing yet. So, fun fact: it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some surgeries, I don't know that people still do it, but when people used to do blepharoplasty, so cutting mm. skin off the eyelids. Uh, they used to store the skin that they'd cut off in the fridge, mm. okay, so that if the patient woke up and you'd cut out too much skin and they couldn't close their eyelids, you had their own skin and you could go back and put it back in. And uh, most hospitals have abandoned that because they'd... It was <laughs> infecting the cause light that was in the door. No, <laughs> no they'd put it in like a special fridge. Yeah, just a joke. No, <laughs> um, special fridge. Special fridge. Not with the best. <laughs> uh, and they, they'd they open the fridge a year later and the skin was still there. Yeah. What happens to skin that's just been in the fridge? No, 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 it's just still just, I mean, it's still just skin. a body. <laughs> but you could probably... You, yeah, it's yeah, you could do... Yeah, you could... Um, mm-hmm. Frankenstein. No, but you, you could probably... I think you can leave it in the fridge for maybe a week and you could then still put it back on. We used to do that like with burns and everything. Like yeah. If you harvested a bit much skin, mm. put it in the fridge... Like, I think maybe once ever in my training, never, some never, yeah. like never. That's why people stop doing because no one ever used it. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you something even freakier. Fun <laughs> yeah. So, way back when, mm-hmm. uh, if someone um, uh, amputated a finger, sometimes people would put that in the fridge mm-hmm. and then um, do the um, replant the next day, oh. and it made no difference. So the, the they just didn't want to get up in the middle of the night. Not, not us. Not us. Not yeah. us. Never. We were up. We were <laughs> up. <laughs> Replant. Oh, yeah. God. Middle okay. Nine. 
You also mentioned briefly about like you kind of always do a bit of a lift with a reduction and a reduction with a lift, but not mm. always. But mm. so what is the clear definition of those two? Well, clear, uh, you want well, the clear the, definition? It's, it's a spectrum. Mm. Um, uh, but for both procedures, you are removing skin. So essentially the skin that sits below the fold and a little bit is a V in the middle because you want to usually narrow the breast. And in a breast reduction, you're taking breast glandular tissue as well. And in a breast lift, in theory, you're not taking any of that, but usually you have to take sort of a little bit that mm-hmm. ends um, uh, that sit below the fold. Other, otherwise, you just can't – a lot of the time you can't fold it all back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lift, you are – keeping as much of the breast glandular tissue as you can and essentially using that to recreate the shape um, and doing a lot of internal searches to make a new shape of a breast. So sometimes those patients come in, they're like, I'm a D, mm-hmm. I want to lift and implants. It's like, well, actually, you, you kind of need a lift, but you don't need implants because you've, you've got D-cut breasts. Yeah. Um, and you know whether you'll still be a D or a bit less – with rearranging all of your tissue. It's not usually going to be a whole lot less, but yeah. we can use your own tissue essentially as your implant mm-hmm. to get you a much better shape. Yeah, but yeah. both operations were really focusing a lot on shape mm-hmm. um, and you know size as well, but size is more the change with a reduction than a lift. I think, I think a lot of patients... That makes sense. I think a lot of patients who are very droopy though, a lot of it is skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're a D cup, but they're not a D cup in breast tissue. They're a D cup in skin, and so you remove a little bit of tissue when you're doing the lift, um, but you're removing a stack a ton of, of skin. ton of skin, and so they may you may only remove a hundred grams of breast tissue, hundred and fifty, which theoretically is a cup, but they might go from a, a double D to a to a B mm-hmm. because they need. Like the the coverage of a uh, D cup or double D to to cover all of their breast tissue or their skin and their nipple, um, but they don't have that much breast tissue. And you definitely, when you're doing a lift, no matter how clever you think you are, you can't get the breast tissue above the nipple. Mm-hmm. So if someone is deficient above the nipple, um, generally you're going to need a an implant. Sometimes you can get away with a bit of fat grafting. Is there an age limit to breast reductions? Very common question. Upper or lower? No. <laughs> <laughs> lower. Lower. Um, I, I would. Do you want to do upper? Th- I'll do lower. <laughs> no, you do lower. I'll, I'll do, do lower. lower. Well, um, ideally, the breasts have stopped growing. Is is my sort of age limit and Mm -hmm. what that is in an individual Mm. female is difficult to know and sometimes the patients don't know because they're like they're so big I don't want to look at them Mm. Um, but it's somewhere between the 14 to 16 age bracket usually for most females Um, I have operated on a 14 year old patient that's that's unusual um, Mm -hmm. but the breasts were enormous and there was a lot going on and had Mm -hmm. very supportive um parents and also uh, other medical colleagues and it had been strongly recommended that this patient has the surgery then but also with the knowledge of the breast may still grow a little bit but yeah, yeah right. you know if, if someone's 15 and stressed because their breasts are huge but they're still getting bigger mm. there is there's no point in doing that surgery then and then be a year later they're like they're still because 
even in patients 20, 30, 40, 50, almost universally in a consult, when I'm doing a breast reduction consult, they will say, will my breasts grow back? Yeah. So mm. if you're 15 and they're still growing, <laughs> you know, we don't know how much more that growth they've got to go. So that's the, the, the age limit for me, and it's not a fixed number. It's whether you've stopped growing. And I have had a couple of patients where they're like, mm, I think so, not sure. And so we take photos and take 3D. Um, the 3D camera is actually quite good for that as well because you can mm. do a bit of a volumetric measurement on that. It's not perfect, but it's quite useful. And then get them back three months later and repeat the images and everyone looks at them and kind of like, okay, where you yeah, know, right. if there's any change, it's minimal or, okay, let's let's do the surgery. Upper? Mm. Well, breast, the, the latest breast tend to grow is after menopause, so mm. probably be un- uncommon after that. But if you're fit and healthy, I wouldn't have any, any limit. I, I mean, I just did a break it past you on a 90-year-old. 90? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, oh, I don't know. She was. I think she was ninety. Yeah, uh, but you know, she was fit, healthy. She mm. had surgery a year before by one of these non-surgeons and right. wasn't happy. And when I said, "Well, you know, you may want to consider at your age not doing it," she jumped up and went into some Pilates pose and said, "You're being <laughs> ageist." <laughs> That's an excellent response. So, um, uh, so I did it, and but the same would be for a breast reduction. If you're yeah. fit and healthy. I just don't think that there's got not going to be much demand in in. Do I your think breasts grow after menopause? They yeah, can, can do with with menopause. The yeah. hormonal right. changes there. Yeah. I've definitely had a bunch of patients in their sixties, yeah. and and more so, their daughters have had <laughs> surgery. Yeah, <laughs> and then they've Common. they've been like, oh, my daughter, and they've thought, oh, I'm too old. Oh no, mm. come on, yeah, now. right, yeah, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> just never stops. Um, <laughs> What, being a woman? Yeah. Um, uh, okay, you touched on do they grow back. If you're not a 15-year-old going through puberty, do they grow back? So I, I don't think the breast tissue does grows back. The the breast tissue you leave, I suppose, could grow. It doesn't sort of – you don't get more breast tissue. Um, if they do get bigger after surgery, it's most commonly – due to one of two things, either weight gain, mm-hmm. so breasts are made up of fat and breast tissue, so if you put on weight, even if you've had a breast reduction, they will get bigger. I think when people uh, say their breasts have grown back, I think it's often where um, they've got what's called pseudotosis, so the bottom part of the breast bottoms out, mm-hmm. which was more common with the older techniques, so not the techniques that we do. Uh, and so I think because it gets fuller in that lower pole, they feel like the breasts have got bigger, but volumetrically they haven't. It's just it's now lower, and that feels bigger because mm-hmm. they again they they need more material, so they might go up in a in a cup size to cover their nipple, mm-hmm. but the actual breasts, if you analyze the volume, haven't changed. Right. Yeah, I had a patient yesterday that that I operated on that exact thing. She had a breast reduction when she was 17. Mm. Um, she has had a child, so, pro- you know, some hormone-related changes to her breast. Her nipples, thankfully, I didn't have to move up very much mm. because where all of her tissue now was was hanging out the bottom <laughs> under, oh. like, really low. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it took yeah. – moved the nipple up. And because w- I was no way able to get her old notes, so we talked about, you know, the risk of – Nipples, if you have to re-operate, but mm. luckily didn't have to move it much because 
everything was just hanging mm. out the bottom and um, so was able to remove that. And do you recommend, obviously, like teenagers for the most part aren't going to be able to wait until they get after they have kids. Um, but if, you know, you've decided in your 30s that you want, you've already had one child and you plan on having another one, do you recommend waiting until you finished your family before having a breast reduction surgery? It depends how whether they were able to breastfeed the first time and right. how strongly they feel about breastfeeding again. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly with breast reduction surgery, it, and it depends on how far you have to move the nipple quite a, quite a bit as well. Um, as to the their ability to breastfeed afterwards. Um, but if with all the information that we give them, then essentially it's, it's their choice. Mm-hmm. But um, if they certainly feel strongly about wanting to breastfeed more kids and if their breast did change a lot with the first pregnancy as well, mm-hmm. then it's probably better to wait until afterwards. Yeah. So, I mean, at... The more common scenario is someone maybe in their 20s who hasn't yet breastfed. Mm -hmm. And my discussion with them around that is, well, firstly, you don't know if you're going to have kids. Mm -hmm. Second, you don't know when you're going to have kids. Thirdly, it's not when you have your first kid, it's when you have your last kid. And then lastly, it's if you could breastfeed anyway. So you may not be giving anything up at all. Um, you may never have been able to breastfeed, you may never have kids, but is it worth waiting 10, 15, 20 years with neck mm. pain, back pain, not fitting into bras, not being able to do sport? Is it worth waiting on the off chance you might be able to breastfeed? Yeah. And and for most women, it's no, no, I, I, I accept that. Let's yeah. get on and do it. And, and a breast reduction is not a sentence to not being able to breastfeed. No. It's, it's definitely a, yeah. you know, if you've had that surgery and you have pregnancy and you want to breastfeed in the future – Give it a crack. Yeah. Um, you may be able to on one side. You may be able to, you know, but reduce on both sides. Um, and there's lots of other good options out there if you're unable to. Yeah, um, yeah there's milk banks. And, uh, mm. yeah. Do you know in Canada they actually have bags of milk? Breast milk. No, sorry. <laughs> Just like cow milk. Mm. But they sell it in bags. And then they don't decant it into a jug they just cut the corner oh, off yeah. and they bang it, it into the jug in a jug and pour it with the bag still in the jug yes. and pour it so that was yeah. so weird and i was like how do you guys purchase this and they buy them in bags of three at the supermarket they're just like but it, no one's invented the carton now. i know i'm like it's so confusing and then they were like oh yeah like you know if you don't bang it down properly it falls out and i'm like what's happening was it frozen no, no it's like but it has to s- sit tight in the jug so I'll show you a photo you of it after. Yes. Yeah. And you do, they just cut a little bit of the yeah. corner off and you pour it out. And then they no, all have a milk totally jug at their now. house. Yeah. But they don't decant them. Okay. All right. That's my gripe with Canada. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so we've talked about weight loss, um, to do with this. Two questions that kind of come up with um, breast reductions and weight loss. Um, the first one is, is it... Does your weight impact your ability to have a reduction? Not so much in terms of outcome. Mm-hmm. So compared to, say, a tummy tuck or body lift, where if you're still overweight, it's going to really impact your ability to get a good result. So you can often still get a good result, um, but you've still got the same anaesthetic mm-hmm. risks, same increased anaesthetic risk, in- increased wound healing risks. Um, and there's also the long-term potential if you then lose weight and there's f- 
often there's a lot of fat in those breasts that they'll, you won't end up with the same volume that we finish the operation wish, right. with. Wish with. Mm-hmm. Mm. Too many whiskeys. And, and certainly that um, he hasn't even had. I don't know. It's not even on the second one yet. Um, I, and I also think like certainly the wound healing rate, and especially mm. that T junction, mm. which is the join um, directly below the nipple. So there's a scar oh, around yeah. the outside of the nipple. Then there's one that goes down, and then there's mm. like an Just inverted T. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no wound healing issues, but a terrible outcome. So yeah, that join. <gasps> um, much higher risk of that opening up if someone's overweight and also outcome-wise much more likely to need revision on the sides mm. right. because of the roll or the extra mm-hmm. skin that they've got on the sides. So, like, I, I'm about to analyse my numbers for the, that, mm. but mm. if someone's overweight, I, th- I think it's probably would be over 50% of people that mm. have end up with... Some mm. doggies on the side. Yep. Um, yeah, right. It, uh, yeah. Watch the space for the actual figure. But um, that that's the hardest area mm. to contour in someone that's carrying extra weight. Yeah, right. Um, the other weight one is, um, is it easier to lose weight once you've had a breast reduction? Chicken or the egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People say that, but mm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, can t- like it's obviously going to get in the way of exercise, right? If you they have can these, certainly like, exercise more, but yeah. it's, it's weight loss purely due to exercise. Yeah. Probably 20 80 20. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's. <laughs> Another concern that kept coming up was will my stomach look bigger if I have yes. a breast reduction? 100% yes to mm. that. Um, and I, I, I actually pointed out to patients now because I remember years ago, like probably eight years ago or so. Um, a patient saying to me at her first post-op, you made my stomach bigger right. with my breast reduction. And I was like... You put the breast tissue. Oh, <laughs> yeah. If I, like, that was magic as well because, yeah. you know what, that's a really hard thing for me to do. Um, yeah, so if someone is overweight and carrying the, a bit and they've got huge breasts that are disguising their stomach, mm. like I certainly am like, you know, you're going to see your tummy a lot more. Mm. Um, absolutely. Because if they're obviously like um, uh, in the normal weight range, then we often talk about how it like creates shape, right? Creates. When you go from yeah. that, so you can see more of your stomach, but because you might be in that mm. weight range, then it's like lengthening your torso. Whereas yeah. I guess if you are overweight, then yeah, and that's the sig- for me. I'm talking about the significant overweight. Yeah. If someone's um, you know got a little bit of extra weight on the tummy, it still does. Actually, it is more slimming to have the reduction because the the proportions are. Improved, and yeah. you, you can have a look on you know, our socials and the website and stuff. You can see how people do instantly look slimmer, and even in clothes, like they walk in and they're wearing not these big baggy tops to get mm. around their boobs. You can see some shape in their yeah. um, upper abdomen, abdominal area. But the yeah, but the other side, mm-hmm. if if you actually have so the mummy mako, if if you have a a tummy tuck and flatten your tummy with the muscle repair and mm. um, reducing the skin. It often makes your breasts look bigger, if you, particularly if you're having yeah, a, a right. lift or a reduction at the same time. Yeah. Well, yeah, breast reduction would make your breasts look smaller. No, make bigger. them look bigger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a two-shot turnaround because um, you didn't watch my live. <laughs> because like, you get better projection yeah, yeah, yeah. and you make your tummy flatter. flatter. Yeah, yeah. So relatively. I see the pics. Relatively. And, that, and that is a conversation I often have with people that are – 
if they want to lift and they think they want implants mm. and they're having a tummy tuck at the same time and if they've lost weight, it's like, you know, wait until you've had your lift and your tummy tuck because your breasts are probably going to be much more in proportion yeah. to your new shape, mm. um, then you may not need implants afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More down to like logistical questions. How long till somebody can drive after a breast reduction? Early. Like when they feel safe and comfortable too. Mm-hmm. Um, usually they drive themselves to their first post-op appointment. Um, but off strong pain meds can move around normally. Um, obviously you have to wear a seatbelt even when you're going home from the hospital. But um, mm-hmm. And how long should they take off work? Oh, it's the same answer really. Um, I, I've, I've just now started – it depends what they do. depends what sort of work they Someone do. the other day messaged me and they are like, oh, well, I'm a police officer. Yeah. So I have to wear oh. a vest. heavy yeah, vest yeah. on yes. it. And I was like, oh. So, Good yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. More difficult with breast implants. I've, I've had a few yeah. police officers who've had breast implants and this issue of the vest has come up. But, um, yeah, it depends what sort of work. But So office work, you know, it might be one or two weeks. If it's a bit more physical, it might be two to three. If it's something more physical like that, it might be, you know, four to five or six. But yeah. m- most people would be back within two weeks for most work. Gotcha. Yeah, those police, they're super heavy, <coughs> the stuff they have to carry. Yeah. I had to write, I had to write a request mm. to get a lighter version. I said, but I don't want you to get shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long till you can wear a bra and how long should people wait until they get um, measured for a bra? Ooh. Um, so they'll be wearing their post-op bra after the surgery anyway. Um, I usually say to say st- stay in something soft and compressive for that first six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um don't wear wires for that first six weeks and, and wait really six weeks kind of the magic number before getting sized. Um, but people often, they're so excited. They yeah. go, go brush shopping at one week and two weeks. Don't spend loads of money. Go to the, you know, buy cheap little things off the rack at yeah. that point. And uh, often the goal, no bra. So don't yeah, go shopping. Say, like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm all the Google, all the questions are like, yeah. when can I go wear a bra? I'm like, ooh, yeah. why do you want that? Yeah. <laughs> it it is so way. exciting at six weeks saying to people, I think, it's like, yeah, you can wear nothing. Yeah. What? I've, I've never in my life worn no bra. Like, you mean yeah. I can go to bed with no bra? And I'm like, yeah. ah, yes, you can. Um, but, but the reason like, for what? no... <laughs> yeah, exactly. The reason yeah. for no underwire is because mm. the, the underwire is a bit harder and that'll be right on the scar. Yeah, right. And so you don't want that sort of rubbing on the scar. But any any sort of crop top yeah, yeah. straight away is fine. Oh, well, can you get a nipple piercing after... I mean, if there's no sensation there, I guess that's the best time to get a nipple piercing. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd want to wait until everything had totally healed. Um, you know, because if you're piercing the skin, small risk of mm. infection. So I'd usually say about six. Yeah, I think probably I would usually say maybe a bit longer than that. Is that but a really I've, common I've, question? I've, yeah, I have. I've had loads of people ask that, and in fact, I've had a patient that actually came in for a six-week appointment, and she was like. I was like, oh, yeah, that was super numb. I got my nipples pierced. And I was like, it looks okay then. Good on you. Because quite a yeah. few patients already have piercing. Right. And the interesting thing is that um, because we rotate the nipple mm-hmm. to mm. inset it, mm. that where they would have had the piercing across-wise, mm-hmm. um, oh. it then ends up on an angle. <laughs> and so that's part of the consult process and yeah. the consent as well it's um it's like well you can you can reuse that piercing yeah um take the piercing out before you have the but surgery it's like but it's, it's usually on an angle i had no idea nipple piercings <laughs> are that common so 
in my patient population, pretty common. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I had someone turn up to theatre this week with a nipple mm. piercing actually in. For a when breast I, reduction? Or for uh, I think so, yeah. Um, maybe a lift. Um, Did they just uh, put tape over it like the nurses? Well, the nurses tried to do that. Every other piercing. And I said, we, we may need we to take it out. We probably need to take it out. <laughs> sometimes they need pliers to yeah. twist them. <laughs> do you, feel, you should feel educated. I do. I More feel things. educated. I can't believe people wear bras to bed. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like many of these patients with massive boobs. Because they lie down and yeah. they come up around their neck. Oh. Suffocate them down around their sides. Like, oh. well, maybe not quite. But they feel like this. Five like, women die like, a year from the <laughs> You don't know because yeah. they haven't come to you for their reduction I didn't yet. Think <laughs> they, yeah, I didn't think about going up. Oh. So when, when those patients have surgery, um, if you have the operating table dead flat, mm. the, the breasts are actually up near right. where the tube's coming. So you actually have to put the head of the bed up oh. a little bit so that the breast gravity becomes our friend then to help bring them down a bit. There's a whole and do you know what it's called? Reverse Trendelenburg. <laughs> There's actually a name for that bed position. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.